0: Welcome to Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we got one. It's pretty clear what one of the movies that inspired this was. We're talking about Doctor Sleep, which is a I mean, it is an official sequel, but in a way, it just feels like a movie inspired by the first one. The Shining, the classic horror film written, of course, uh, well, based on the book by Stephen King and, of course, directed by Stanley Kubrick. Um, <laughs> with me today is Chris Cranock, and I'm just going to tell you right at the top of the show, we did not like this movie very much. Um, we had a great time talking about it, though. We had a great time watching it, actually, uh, because we were laughing the entire time, and that is certainly not... The uh, goal of Mike Flanagan and Stephen King and those involved in making this movie. But I hope you go and see it. And then, of course, uh, listen to this episode. And if you do like piecing it together, we'd love it if you'd rate and review us. Five stars on Apple Podcasts. Of course, make sure you're subscribed on your podcast app of choice. And uh, join the Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all these movies. So... I'd say let's go ahead and jump into this conversation because we got a nice long talk about a lot of great horror movies and a lot of bad stuff too <laughs> along the way. So let's jump into this conversation about Dr. Sleep. All right, Chris Cranach back on the podcast. And for those of, those of you who have listened before and heard Chris on the show, <laughs> you may know a little bit about Chris and... How much uh, he has been himself inspired by the filmmaker whose film inspired the movie <laughs> we're talking about today, sort of. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell people, uh, just so that they, are, the ones who don't know you mm-hmm. get a little idea of you before we get into this conversation.
1: Okay. So, yeah. For those of you who uh, have heard this before, you've known that uh, The Shining, the nineteen eighty. Stanley Kubrick film is usually a puzzle piece on almost every movie, no matter (laughs) what it is. No, not necessarily true. I I somehow get back to talking about it. Sure. So I'm a super fan of of The Man in general and The Shining in particular. Uh, I'm a filmmaker myself. I'm currently making a movie uh, with the incredibly wonderful and rare support of Mrs. Stanley Kubrick, a woman named Christiane Kubrick, Stanley's wife. Uh, She has volunteered her original artwork which appeared in Stanley's films to be a part of my film. It's a, an immense honor, especially for a person who's been such a fan of of her husband's work and of her work. So it's a it's a very big deal. So I guess I should give a little bit of a disclaimer here. I did not walk in to Doctor Sleep ready to hate it. Right. So I'm not I wasn't like ready to love it because of my fandom and I wasn't also like already hating it and burying it before I even took a look at it. It's not even like a. It's not even a sequel to me. It has almost no relation to, to the Shining, in right. my opinion. This is this totally standalone movie, and I was excited. I wore my Shining sweater, <laughs> and which, you looked great, by the way. It's very slimming, <laughs> and uh, and I was ready to just to take it on its own terms. So now that you know, I'm not here just to piss on it.
0: So now let's piss on it. But now, um, but <laughs> now I'm gonna. Now I'm just gonna objectively piss on it. And to be clear, we were just talking about this uh, before we hit record. Um, you know, this this episode is going to come out the day that the movie hits theaters. We saw it at a special early fan event thing. And uh, it seems the general consensus is that this is good. I mean, we, I guess we'll find <laughs> out when, yeah, we'll find <laughs> out when, like, all the critic reviews start rolling out and everything uh, today, you know um but 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 people uh, thought the Joker was good. I'm mean, well,
1: another conversation, another episode. Now I'm just fucking
0: with you. I will defend the Joker. <laughs> but um <laughs> but uh yeah, no, I I I just don't get it. I I don't get how how this movie is getting the good reviews that it's getting. Um but I I yeah, we both went in with open minds, I think, mm-hmm. and uh, we saw silly. We <laughs> we were yeah. laughing the whole time basically.
1: And that's the thing, it was yeah, it was extremely silly. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing, is really my biggest fear about the movie. Because, I, like I said, I really tried to go in there as a blank slate. And I wasn't going in ready to, like I said, trash it because of the Kubrick Association. Sure. I was actually f- frightened because of the Stephen King Association. Right. So, most Stephen King movies are awful. Right. And their biggest mistake is that they follow his work too closely. Mm. Anyone that, and this is just an opinion, there's a lot of people out there that are going to be furious by that comment. Uh-huh. But anytime you actually pay respect, to Stephen King cinematically, it's a disaster Mm. because his books are not intrinsically cinematic. They're kind of sprawling. They, they, there's, they're very overly complicated. They have a lot of subplots and character, like kind of, uh, they, he divulges in these long passages of things. They're, they're messy and they, they, they work sometimes well in books, Mm -hmm. especially if they're about killer cell phones and stuff. Then they, I think he really shines. Uh, Oh, Oh, no, 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 I'm I'm throwing punches. I'm throwing, I'm, I'm coming out hard. No, I'm just being, I'm just being silly. Uh, no, I mean, so my my biggest problem was Stephen King. And I think that's really was, that is the problem. I think the movie is as silly as maybe his book was.
0: Now, okay, now that brings up a good question we should talk about before we get into this thing. Have you read Dr. Sleep? Absolutely not. Okay. Because <laughs> that's another question is whether or not this is a successful adaptation of the book. And I mean, I imagine maybe it is, but... <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> it, it couldn't, could, couldn't pass <laughs> the movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> Steve, so Stephen King famously
1: dislikes Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Right. He made his own Shining, which is like 8 hours of just stab yourself in the eyes with needles. Just with yeah. Steven Webber. It was a disaster. Maybe one day you'll be lucky to catch it on the USA network. Uh-huh. Uh but he wanted it to be a sequel to that film. Mm-hmm. And the filmmakers and Warner Brothers were like, "Listen, no one's watched no one watched that. It was awful. If right. we're going to we're going to try to make this a cash cow." And if we're going to make it a cash cow, we're going to have to reference the Stanley the Kubrick movie that everyone's familiar with, and that is iconic and has gone into the you know, the hearts and minds of millions. We're going to use that, and then Stephen King was probably just furious from the get go.
0: I'm just picturing right now uh, if he had gotten his way, and if, if it was a Stephen Weber look alike <laughs> in this movie, <laughs> they would have just had Stephen Weber do it. He would. He would. Of course, he would do it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, you know, we're going to get into all the different things that we want to, you know, talk about throughout this conversation. Why don't we just get it going with some puzzle pieces? What do you got first?
1: Okay, so my very first puzzle piece is Son of the Mask. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, which I think, if you think about it for more than a second, is totally appropriate. Uh-huh. Go so It's just, I think, for me, the deepest connection is a totally unnecessary sequel. hmm You know, the thing is, is that... And this is my beef with the book, even though I haven't read it, so sorry. Mm. Uh, but my, I guess I, I just have a philosophical problem with the book and the movie uh, to begin with, which is that the story behind the book is that someone at a book signing said, Hey, you know, hey Steve, whatever happened to Danny Torrance? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know. Let's write 800 pages about it. And to me that's not an essential enough reason to dive into a novel. I think too many things are made today with what ifs as mm-hmm. their launching pads. Sure. You know, it's like, oh, we have endless streaming. We have to fill in an infinite number of hours with television. Like, what happens if we took a pill where our entire brain worked and all of our all of our brain potential worked. Right. You know, limitless. Right. You know, it's like <laughs> there's too many like college, you know, college screenwriting graduates sitting in a la apartment going like what if this yeah and i feel like this was stephen king's moment where he did a what if Mm -hmm. and i think the story in general feels that way and i think the movie ends up kind of feeling that way too Mm -hmm. and so son of the mask is just so arbitrary and ridiculous and like it came out 25 years after the original movie right and this came out 40
0: years after the original movie uh and it's like, did it need to exist at all? Right. And I, I'm, I actually don't believe I ever saw *Son of the Mask*. Luckily, but <laughs> I'm assuming it tries to maybe answer a few questions that never needed answers. Yeah, exa- and that's like that
1: exactly. Yeah, that thing is like *The Shining*. The the original *Shining*, the film, this the Kubrick version makes no sense. Mm-hmm. If you watch that film, it doesn't make any sense at all. Is Jack a ghost? Is he not? Was he the caretaker? Was he a butler? Was he there in this, like, back in the seventies when Grady killed them, or was he in the twenties? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It's not supposed to, right? You know, horror films can work on some type of kind of subconscious level, and they ne- just need to make just enough sense. Yeah. And I think a big problem with a lot of modern cinema in general, but particularly horror films, uh, is that they answer way too many questions mm-hmm. and they added questions <laughs> and answers. To the Shining mythos that the original Shining never needed. Right. We don't need the, these questions even raised, let alone answered. And Dr. Sleep was giving us all kinds of things in that regard.
0: And I have to assume... Uh, so you you haven't read Dr. Sleep. Have you read The Shining?
1: Yeah, I read the original Shining. Yeah.
0: Do, does it get... Because I haven't. And does it get into all any of this stuff that they're trying to answer here? The stuff that's not in the movie, but that is answered in the sequel to the movie? You know, or is that all... <laughs> just new new like no basis for it
1: um well i'm trying to think i read it a pretty long time ago i think the the biggest thing the major differences in the book is really how much the hotel plays a part in the insanity of jack like the jack nicholson version he really is the villain he's he, you know he becomes right. like he becomes the frankenstein's monster you know what i mean he uh, the hotel's the Fra- is dr frankenstein and and Jack becomes the monster, mm. and there's a lot more of those themes explored. I think of the father-son betrayal and relationship to where I think there's much more supernatural going on in the book, which again is very much in Stephen King's milieu. It's like he's gonna he does, he loves the supernatural. If there's, not, if there's not a big spider at the end, you right. Yeah, I mean, it's something <laughs> something spooky is going on. <laughs> um, and so I think there were things raised in the original novel that maybe the I. Maybe the Doctor Sleep movie kind of approached. I mean, for me, Doctor Sleep worked the best within its first hour. Mm -hmm. I was a little, I think the opening half hour was a little tedious of recreating famous moments from like after The Shining, like, you know, sure, with a Dick Halloran ghost and all that. (laughs) That was a little tedious as a Kubrick fan. You know, it's kind of rolling my eyes, but again, I was like, let's do it. This is cool. Okay. Like, trying to be positive. And then I think when we got into Danny. Suffering from his own alcoholism, mm-hmm. I was the most intrigued. Right, that was like a, that was like a story.
0: It's not really answering questions; it's just continuing the yeah. character.
1: Yeah, that, and that's okay with me. That was yeah. okay. I mean, and they actually did it well. I thought it wasn't overly indulgent or ridiculous, and I think uh, Ewan McGregor was doing a pretty good job. Sure, and then it just like really went off the rails. Yeah, so yeah, I think there's definitely things that kind of crop up in the original. But the thing is, I mean, speaking of Frankenstein's monster, I think Doctor Sleep is kind of a Frankenstein's monster because sure. it was supposed to be a sequel to a book, mm-hmm. and they forced it to be a sequel to a movie that never needed a
0: sequel. Right.
1: And right. I think that there was a, probably a lot of tug of war of like what went in and what didn't, how much time do we dedicate to the Kubrick film and all those nods, yeah, and how to, like how do we tell a competent
0: story that needs to be told? That's a really difficult uh, balancing <laughs> act, right? Yeah, there. And they they yeah. fell off the
1: high wire. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, uh all right. Well you went with the, a funny one for your first one. And I'm gonna go with a funny one too. Um my my first puzzle piece is uh Goodwill Hunting Two hunting season. <laughs> Specifically, of course, Ben Affleck's <laughs> line reading of Are we gonna have a problem again? You're like them apples, bitch. yeah, I mean that that's what this movie is. It's it's uh it's just it's it's recreating things, it's callbacks, it is it's every bad tendency of a sequel. Yeah. You know, which is exactly what I what Kevin Smith was skewering with that little moment within Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh yeah.
1: And brilliantly. So oh, funny. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I think
1: we're really overestimating the power of nostalgia <laughs> in, in the vehicle of cinema. Right. You know, like nostalgia is a very powerful emotion. And I think when it's done very sparingly, it can be extremely effective. Sure. But I think
0: when you basically make a whole movie of throwbacks Mm -hmm. uh it's troublesome well that's going to tie into one of my future puzzle pieces but what do you got for your next puzzle piece
1: i think so this one's a little bit more serious Uh, i'm going to say with the new it part one and part two maybe more part one than two because they're so similar they're so close in release date Mm -hmm. but the thing is is that um i think the origin the new it kind of put a fire under these uh these Stephen King adaptations, and people are like, okay, we can do them new and modern and right. scary. Uh, and I think that they actually share a lot of similarities. And I don't know if it's just because they have the you know, source material written by the same person or if it's just the kind of motif that we're working in, but they feel the same. Like mm. in terms of their visuals and in terms of their their cinematic vocabulary, Yeah, uh, I think they share a lot. And I think maybe Dr. Sleep was greenlit on two conditions like the box office receipts of it <laughs> yeah and, and uh and the um, the uh the, Sh- the kubrick
0: association sure
1: so yeah i just feel like there is like it kind of paved the way for a movie like this
0: i i absolutely agree i actually had it chapter two specifically oh, okay. on, on my list and yeah it is a little recent but i do think that it comes from uh the same stephen king thing of of just these these things that don't really uh, lend themselves too well to the f- to, to, to the screen, yeah, to the screen, yeah, exactly. And like the whole underground moment at the end of it, chapter two, mm-hmm. was just so silly. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like to, just to see that happening on screen. I'm sure it probably plays out you know really terrifying in the book you yeah. know and on screen though it just comes out as silly and it, you you just you're like you know what exactly is this what is happening why is he turning into a giant spider thing like right. you know like what you don't really get enough in a cinematic way. No. And I felt that a lot of Dr. Sleep was the same thing. It's like it's bringing up this whole world of characters and ideas and rules and all this stuff, mm-hmm. but none of it is explored in any real way. It's just all just just thrown out at you, just right. one beat after one beat after another.
1: Well, yeah, because in cinema, you can't explain things. And right. you try, you, I mean, the thing is, bad movies do try to explain things, and this movie did try to explain, but kind of in its own clumsy movie way where Mm -hmm. they just like give you flavors of dialogue and then they just show you things yeah and they think though they're being clever they're just they're not telling you they're showing you right yeah that's that's not very good logic in cinema yes you want to show more than tell yeah but you have to make something that is intrinsically cinematic yeah like the thing about one of the you know brilliant things about the original shining and you're going to hear that me say that a lot this time so sorry in advance (laughs) (laughs) but is that he was you know stanley was able to distill the essence of the book Mm mm-hmm that's the thing is, another thing for me, if you look at The Dark Knight, for instance, I'm not, and I'm not a huge Chris Nolan, like, you know, freak. You know, I think he may, he hasn't made a good movie since The Dark Knight, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. this is trying to be as objective as possible. But you look at The Dark Knight, and it distills the essence of Batman. Right. It's not that accurate to a Batman comic, but it, it feels like Batman. And I feel mm-hmm. like finding the feeling is really the most important thing
0: yeah it o- over me, being a full-on adaptation of everything absolutely yeah. i mean it
1: reminds me of the of Watchmen, the Zack snyder mm. v- v- version which is like page for page right and it doesn't work for me it does it work that's thing. i think it brings up the idea of like how important is medium mm-hmm. what are you really are you writing it for this are you writing it to be a play and can every play be turned into a film or can every book be turned into a film I mean, the answer is no. I think we have we have uh, emphatic evidence that not every book can be a film. Right. And not every film can be a book. Sure. And that's, I mean, these are not just always, we can't just cross these lines and blur them. I think great artists do things uh, in their medium. Yeah. And I think even Stephen King, who like, I'm not a huge fan of, I don't think he's brilliant or a master or anything like that, but he has had his great moments and he's a huge part of our culture and he deserves that credit. Sure. And his early books or his really acclaimed books, they do what they're supposed to do in their medium. Right. So I think, I mean, it's, I think people mistakenly think that like they're fodder for movies, but there does not.
0: You know, I, one last point on that before I move on to my next puzzle piece, but I, when I looked it up, I, I was shocked. I didn't know this ahead of time mm-hmm. that Dr. Sleep was written in 2013. Yeah, 13. That's crazy. Like for a, <laughs> such a recent book to, to, you know, make the way to, to, to screen like this. And yeah. like, especially that long after an original, like, It's very strange, like, that process. And and all of the, uh, for it to feel so old, kind of, but not have taken in any of pop culture over the last, (laughs) like, you know, 40 years or whatever, like, that's pretty wild, I
1: think. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, in the movie, they did reference, what would they say? Netflix. I think Netflix actually had a name drop in Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Remind us where this movie will be dumped and no one will ever watch it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'm going to go with my next puzzle piece. uh, And uh, I'm going to, well, you know what? I was just saying that, uh, you know, we were talking about the nostalgia. I was going to. Yeah. say about one of my pieces was going to come back to that so I might as well bring that one up now uh it's ready player 1 what you had that inhale, I had it huh? too baby yep. yeah especially i mean come on the shining tribute scene of course this is basically that spread out for a <laughs> for whole movie 2 hours and 40 minutes <laughs> yes exactly and uh yeah i mean it, it it certainly uh i think people really it was a lot of people's favorite part of the movie <laughs> so I mean I'm sure it brought it you know like you said about it mm-hmm. bringing up Stephen King again into pop culture. I'm sure that that helped pave the way for this a little bit right
1: well the thing is you know what it's it's this show it goes to show you that there there are no rules mm-hmm. because I am Steven Spielberg's first critic, you know his uh-huh. biggest critic. But I walked into Ready Player One and I had a great time. Sure, it's, and that thing only survives on nostalgia. Yeah, it's like it's function. It is like it's basically walking through a mall.
0: Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah.
1: and and it, and it like breaks all of philosophical rules that I hold. That 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 movie type of movie proves are arbitrary because I had fun and I liked it. the movie right. worked. Yeah, and the Shining scene was great. Yeah. yeah, I actually thought the Shining sequence was really well done. It worked well enough within the framework of the movie. didn't feel like these really weird rehashed scenes like in this Dr. Sleep film with these other cast actors. Yeah. Like they tried to recast Jack Nicholson. That's insane. Insane to me. My God. Bonkers. (laughs) What are they doing? So, and then real quick, before I forget, I just need to touch on the audacity of (laughs) Dr. Sleep to be the same length as the masterpiece that is the original movie. You make us sit through this
0: inferior film for two hours and 40 minutes. Insane. Insane. It's almost as insane as recasting Jack Nicholson. And I don't have numbers in front of me, but how many of those minutes are recreations of the original scenes? Like At least 30%. Yeah, like a solid amount. And that's crazy. (laughs) It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really, really crazy. But so, you
1: know, Ready Player One really works. And uh, it's one of those things like, you know, there is no formula to make a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do X, Y, Z and have it work out. I think it. I really think it comes down to intention. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to like vision. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg, despite all his flaws and all uh, you know, all of his evil, businessy things that he's ruined American cinema with. Uh, he has a vision for stuff. Sure, you know, he's a great, talented person. It's one of the reasons why he infuriates me because he's so brilliant and such a genius and and so great at making films. And he just makes mo- mostly terrible movies, right, right. Uh, For money, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, it's like he's a prostitute, and it's it's heartbreaking because he's so good, mm-hmm. like the best prostitute ever. <laughs> um, but but that's the thing is, you know, it's yeah. I mean, there was something about Ready Player One that had kind of an inspired vision about it, mm-hmm. and that shining scene was actually great and really fun yeah absolutely the opposite of all the shining scenes in dr sleep (laughs) not great and not fun
0: exactly (laughs) well what do you got for your next piece
1: i was gonna say ready player one but why don't we stay on our uh on our um our steven spielberg tangent i'm gonna have to say indiana jones and the temple of doom all right only because he teams up with a child (laughs) 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 which i don't know if that's like an like what where the trope like what trope that or pardon me, like what started that trope mm-hmm. of like the adult being changed by the innocence of a child. Yeah. But it's that's a bad one. Yeah. And they laid that on pretty thick in Dr. Sleep. Yeah. And just that ending when she walks into the bathroom, oh
0: horrible. That was so bad. <laughs> I, I'm I'm still I, I remember I don't know if you remember, I had my, my jaw was open yeah. during that ending. I was like, are they this, this it's not gonna end now? No. It <laughs> I
1: was keeping track. I think I I don't remember the exact number i think it was at least four or five times that they showed you the the naked old lady image yeah so they showed that to you one time in the shining right because that's where it's it's most effective sure they then took
0: that very famous image and showed it to you five times and let me tell you you know what that okay this is a good moment to to admit to to our audience that I am a little bitch when it comes to horror movies. I get scared <laughs> at horror movies, okay? And I, I will sometimes look away from the screen. I'll look down at my popcorn, you know, uh-huh. just to, to not see the scary thing. It's okay, fair enough. And the old lady image in The Shining is really fucking scary.
1: Yeah, it scarred me for life.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's not scary at all. No, zero. This. It no. is funny. Yeah. It's 100% <laughs> funny. I... I don't believe that the intention was anything other than funny. Like I don't see how they were. And I keep hearing that this movie is really scary and that's why I just can't, I just don't understand it. No, it's
1: not scary in the slightest. Yeah. No, 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 it's not. Yeah. Honestly, it's like I said, I'm not, and like not to just, take a constant shit on it. The best Mm -hmm. part of it was the drama
0: of Ewan McGregor's adult life. Right, because at least then you were getting something like with a little bit of weight to it. Yeah, it was actually
1: interesting. Like, what happens if your dad tried to kill you when you were a kid? Yeah. And you don't understand everything about The Shining. I mean, I would have definitely omitted the the, uh, wise dick halloran ghost <laughs> to explain everything to you that, that does not help
0: Danny or just lean character. in and have him the whole time have him be the the they critic. eat screams
1: <laughs> i was like oh my god this is bad <laughs> we'll get to that and 2nd we'll come back to that sure but yeah you actually had a ghost character that comes back and explains things to you i mean it's like you know screenplay one oh screenwriting class 101 like don't do that yeah <laughs> and so i'm mean, just like let's think is danny's confusion and his alcoholism and his Mixed feelings about his father and his childhood and his past. Like, I would have loved if they just had this guy go to this town and start, like, helping old people die. Yeah. Which is where the name comes from, right? Yeah. That's an interesting plot to me. Yeah. That like, was some of the most interesting stuff. If I, and the thing is, I mean, it was really cheesy because he's, you know, obviously I'm a stone cold atheist and he's like, there's something more. And I was right, like, okay. Right. Part of me rolled my eyes there. But again, not my, not every movie has to align with my sure. personal beliefs. Exactly. So I'm, I don't care that it said, yeah, that's perfectly fine. A lot, most of the world believes there's something beyond death. So if you want to make a movie about that, that's perfectly good. And I was actually tr- very intrigued by that idea. Yeah. <laughs> and if I was the screenwriter, uh, which maybe I should have been, I, mean, I, I don't know that, I know that's an elitist, insane thing to say. I'm just going to say it. I should have probably <laughs> written this movie. Right. Uh, and if I did, I would have probably made the whole movie about him going to this town, recovering from alcoholism and helping old people die. Yeah. That would have been the entire story. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think the soul leaders... Would have probably been left out of my uh, my rough draft. Might have oh, not brought them back.
0: But they're so hip and cool.
1: Oh my god! With her <laughs> Heisenberg hat. Oh, it's the magic hat. What is it? What is it called? Rose the hat. Oh yeah. What's the What's the kid? What's the guy's name? Oh, uh, Crow Daddy. Crow Daddy. <laughs> so this is a, this is the kind of quality we're
0: talking about. Rose the hat. Crow Daddy. Yeah
1: and there was who, who's the, the pedophile a grand, girl? grandpa
0: jim oh and that was a uh, like rattlesnake something yeah come yeah
1: on. come on guys oh my god who, i mean how many stages of how many like executive
0: meetings did they get through where everyone's like yeah i'm cool with all these names proceed you know all this talk about the ghosts uh, just made me think of a uh, a puzzle piece I, I hadn't thought of previously so i'm gonna throw it out right now as my okay. next one uh that is the frighteners peter oh, jackson's yeah. film which i love by the way but um yeah. just all these kind of silly ghosts great film yeah it's yeah. great a,
1: a dear friend of mine peter dobson is in that film oh really he's the husband that dies and becomes a ghost oh wow yeah yeah he's a
0: great actor and a good friend of mine nice yeah and it's and frighteners is amazing yeah so good and and But, I mean, you know, it is, like, each of the ghosts is, like, kind of like this, like, this, I guess, film archetype. Yeah, comic extension. Yeah. Uh, And and they really kind of lean into that in a movie that uh, otherwise should be scary, but is kind of, like, like I said earlier, it's like, it feels like they're playing it for laughs.
1: Well, here's, okay, so here's the irony about that, because that's actually a good launching pad. Because if you watch the original Shining, Mm -hmm. I I already warned you guys I was going to do this a lot, (laughs) it walks a tightrope of being funny. Mm -hmm. because i mean there is such a fine line between terrifying and humorous sure there really is i think good horror films uh that deal in the supernatural like for instance there's a film there's a famous stanley kubrick story where he called up the filmmakers behind the original vanishing the film from the netherlands and uh they didn't even believe it was him they hung up the phone because he's like this is stanley kubrick and i thought he was someone was pranking them Mm -hmm. so he called back and finally got through and was like no no, it's really me and i think you made the scariest movie i've ever seen and they said, well, what about The Shining? And he's like, ah, that's not, this is real. <laughs> right. He's like, The Shining isn't real. This is the real. This is truly scary. The yeah. film like the original Vanishing doesn't have to walk that fine line of, of humor because it's so palpably scary. Right. But when you deal with ghosts and hauntings and goblins, things that are uh, at their base absurd, things right. that are truly insane, you have to balance that. I mean, there's a guy in a bear costume blowing another party guest mm-hmm. in The Shining. Yeah, you know, there's, and Jack Nicholson's performance, which he actually got a Razzie award, right? You know, yeah. for is so over the top. You know? I didn't know that
0: until just recently. That's he got crazy. a Razzie,
1: and actually Stanley got a Razzie too. He had a Razzie, but he didn't get a Best Oscar for directing. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and yes, yeah, so that's the thing is, you know, Steven Spielberg. Uh, when they asked him, when Stee, when when Stanley asked him what he thought of The Shining. He kind of heed and hawed. He kind of hemmed and hawed. He didn't know what to say because he didn't love it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kubrick said, well, what are your top five favorite actors? And he named all these classical actors. And, and Kubrick said, well, you didn't name James Cagney. That's why you didn't understand my film. Mm. Yeah, This was a... The Shining is vaudevillian in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. It's an over-the-top exaggeration, and it's silly, but it can also be bone-chilling and extremely terrifying. Yeah. What's even more terrifying are, are the, the, is the symbolism. You know, the thing about a father betraying a son, betraying the family. Yeah. Those l- deeper themes, I think, resonate more with us. And then we could also laugh at The Shining. Yeah. The problem with Doctor Sleep is that it feels like it's playing for laughs, but it isn't. Yeah. It's deadly serious. Yeah. And it's so self-serious that it becomes absurd. It's like you have to kind of almost be aware of the irony of horror to be able to make a horror film well. And if you're not aware of that irony, then you just become very self serious, and then you become hysterical. Right. So it's—I mean—you you eat yourself alive. It's yeah. this incestuous
0: process to make a horror movie. So it's just fascinating. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think Rose I mean. the Hat is a perfect embodiment of that idea yeah. right there. Because I mean, and and you know, I think she did a great job. It, she seems like she's having a lot of fun with the role. Let's put it that way. It just—it's isn't, it's not scary at no, all. It's it's totally it's, ridiculous. It's this total just just. Scenery chewing, just yeah. fun performance. Well, cl- and that thing is
1: classic Stephen King to get write a part like that. Yeah, I mean to have a gang of these people. That's and that's when it comes back to answering all these questions that don't don't need to be answered. Like, mm. why did the shining? Why did the hotel turn? on you know turn jack crazy right not important right that's like the least important part of the shining (laughs) right and now there's a whole mythology behind why yeah it's like this evil force and that there's these other creatures that need to eat and it's so they need to do this to be able to be able to survive and they work off this energy and it's like who fuck that who we don't need any of that yeah it actually brings me to a puzzle piece but i think it's your turn isn't it uh no yours okay i'm gonna combine a few sure but i'm gonna have to say they seem they seem totally insane, but Get Out and Us, so the Jordan Peele films, uh-huh. but also The Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna start with Matrix Reloaded, and it's only because it adds to the mythos without it, any of
0: it being important or necessary. Right. It doesn't actually elevate the first one at all. Zero. Yeah. It,
1: it's just making things more complicated. Mm-hmm. I and then getting moving on to Jordan Peele stuff. I liked Get Out more than I liked Us. I don't think Get Out is quite the movie people claim that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's an important film for what it is and when how it was made. But standing, you know, in terms of its, I think, political heft and bringing a strong African American director to the forefront of that genre picture, I think all of those things are, are accurate and important. But the movie itself, I think, if you're looking at it objectively, is a, is an above-average horror movie, but nothing else. I don't mm-hmm. think it's like a, a, a seminal classic. You know, it's a good, interesting film with good ideas. Right, Us, I think, really blows. I think Us is a bad, bad movie. And one of the reasons why it's so bad is because it tried to explain away all of its mystery. Right. That thing is, it explained everything. And then it didn't make any sense. Right.
0: (laughs) I was about to say, yeah, it explains everything, but then that really doesn't actually help you when it comes down to it. It's
1: like someone said to him, The Shining didn't make sense. And he was like, okay, I'll make sure my movie doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. But here's 30 minutes of exposition. Mm-hmm. And this is the why the hands across America and we're where this is where the bunnies come from. And this is how this whole thing worked. And it's like, none of that's important or interesting. Mm-hmm. And if you give us that much information, then we want it to make sense. Yeah, exactly. If you're, f- if you're giving us that much, then we're going to try to put the dots together. And then when the dots don't add up, it's just stupid. It's right. not mysterious. Mm-hmm. So... It's a gun. It's a fine line. There's no rhythm. There's no. Uh, there's no uh, recipe for a good film. I think it's more about intention and artistic integrity and vision. Yeah. And like you get lucky or you don't. And sometimes films work and sometimes they don't. So I don't think that this was like a nefarious effort by Jordan Peele to make a bad movie. I'm sure he tried to make the best movie he could. It mm-hmm. just doesn't work. And its fatal flaws that it tried to explain too much. Sure. So these movies just—they're taking all the fun out of it. Yeah. Stanley somehow knew that that not. Knowing and not like knowing the right amount, you know, just making the pieces fit on the surface, but letting us keep the mystery makes a movie that's so eternally interesting.
0: And I think uh, Get Out does it really well. It does and it like, better, like you said. You do like that movie, and I mean, I I do think that that one you know raises enough questions while answering enough questions mm. while not answering quite everything you yeah. know and i think it does a really good job of that but i i agree us though is a little bit Oof. much yeah <laughs> man because the thing like again it's
1: horror movies are um, easy to start and very difficult to finish mm-hmm. you know you can write a great half hour a great 40 minutes a great hour yeah but how do you end it yeah when the thing is how the stakes are so high in a horror movie, right? You just yeah. gradually move into more and more absurdity. You get sure. bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, how do you bring that to a satisfying end? Sci-fi has the same problem. You can definitely pose a very interesting question with a sci-fi movie. And mm-hmm. then how do you wrap that up in a satisfying way through a narrative? and a lot of people blow that ending as well. A movie like Ex Machina, I thought did that. I think it was like one of the most fascinating movies until like the last
0: 15 minutes. Oh, I love the ending. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I'm, I'm on board with it.
1: Well, I don't I don't I don't I mean that's I don't dislike it. I just think it I I want, you know, when you when you a- ask a question of such abstraction, mm. It's hard to funnel it down into a narrative. Oh
0: yeah, it's a difficult movie to end.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard. I'm not sure if they quite stuck it. I don't hate it. I think it's a good film, but I don't. I didn't like really connect with it. Mm. That's the thing is like again, sorry, but 2001: A Space Odyssey, it it starts big and it ends bigger, Mm -hmm. but it's open ended. Right. And it's about its ideas more than it is about its narrative. Mm -hmm. And that's an important. You need to pick if you're in a genre piece, and you know, it's like Prometheus had these excellent ideas of like where we start as you know from human race, and then it's like. With a fist fight. Yeah, like <laughs> this big zombie guy wakes up and he's like, Bash, brash,
0: brash.
1: <laughs> and that's just like, okay, oh, okay, that's where we're gonna take this he's,
0: movie. He's, he's an ancient alien race and he just straight up rips that guy's head. Yeah, off. and he's like, like super <laughs> pissed about it.
1: So, yeah, I mean, so it's, yeah, and that's the thing is, I know, like, I sympathize. I don't have all the answers and I've yet to make a huge scale horror film and sci fi movie. So put me to the test when I get to that point in my career. Mm. I have movies planned, we'll see if they ever get made. And so, yeah, and I'm not trying to sound like I have all the answers. I might totally blow it too, mm-hmm. but I try to be extremely aware of these things. Yeah, and I think that uh, with horror and sci-fi, both the uh, the plot is what fails you mm-hmm. when you try to satisfy when you try to satisfy the narrative more than you try to satisfy the ideas behind the narrative. You run into trouble because mm-hmm. it's easy to start big, but it's really hard to stick the landing. Sure.
0: Well, speaking of uh, big questions and big answers, um, for my next puzzle piece, I'm going to go with the Twilight series. Okay, um, <laughs> love it! And, I uh, totally understand what uh, you mean. Yeah, I mean it, it, this is. Uh, I I think the, the main drive of this story, more so than anything with with Danny's character, is this uh, weird group of soul sucking vampire. Crew, they're like a little gang, it's and they're—it's they're, they're, <laughs> total trash. Bad and, idea, and, and, and they're all like just super cool and just <laughs> oh, yeah. really hip and so just, hip. I, I mean, it's just so weird, Crowdaddy. It, it's Crowdaddy. There's a guy named Crowdaddy. If that doesn't
1: sum it up for you of what a bad idea it is
0: <laughs> I mean, I I just don't know how they thought that was all right. Like 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 no. how they thought that was gonna be good. But uh, but yeah, and I mean, I haven't even seen all those Twilight movies. I just remember it was like this, this cool little gang of vampires yeah. versus another gang. But, um, and I'm sure if this movie does well, we'll get a sequel where there's roving gangs of soul sucking vampire creatures. You know, right. I, you know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, and I and I texted you after we saw this. I said if I if I told you a decade ago there was going to be a sequel to The Shining, and in it there would be a shootout with vampires, oh, man. Would, would you believe me? And no yeah that, n- i didn't never. think
1: the kubrick estate would allow it <laughs> i will wa- i want i have marginally more access than the average person <laughs> right and i and i want to use that power to mm. understand they must have had zero input yeah uh and, and that's the thing is i mean warner brothers owns all these things you know and once stanley i mean stanley a, a very famous perfectionist and very very uh, in control of his work who knows what's happened in the intervening 20 years since his passing sure but i don't think my guess is they had nothing to do with it i stayed and we watched the entire credits and there was not one name that i recognized Mm -hmm. of a person of any type of
0: value representing the kubrick side of this i think we're going to see more things like that in the future (laughs) for sure say especially like nowadays i mean you know, it's funny actually. While I was like making my notes for this, I kept getting my thoughts mixed up with Terminator: Dark Fate, <laughs> which we're doing an episode <laughs> on in a couple days. But again, it's like the the, the uh, you know taking these old you know things and trying to make a sequel a long time down the road, yeah. and and it's just like when nobody asked for it. You yeah,
1: know? I'm. Well, that's that brings me to my puzzle piece because it's my turn, right? Yeah, the Halloween franchise slash Rob Zombie like weird side movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have one more movie actually that I was going to keep separate, but the the I, the point is so close. I'm just going to say it mm-hmm. ready shaft from 2019. <sighs> All
0: right. I still haven't
1: seen it because it's a reboot and a sequel and it has the same name as the movie from 15 years ago, which sure. I still don't understand. Yeah. So that's the thing is I think this, I think Dr. Sleep is a great example. Maybe not the worst example because there's way worse examples of this, but it's a symptom of another problem. Which is just just the free for all that we're in right now mm. of reboots and remakes and sequels and resequels and reimagines mm. and all this stuff. It's like there was a sh- there was a Halloween that came out recently. There was a sequel to Halloween two. Yeah. Even though there was like Halloween six. six yeah. And they were like, we're going to ignore those other ones. That's exactly
0: gonna- <clears throat> what Terminator just was.
1: That, that's the thing is, what is this? This yeah. is a new subgenre of thing. Yeah. Where it's like, it's not a reboot, it's a sequel, but then they're ignoring part of the franchise. And then there's other people simultaneously making other versions, like Rob Zombie making his Halloweens. Yeah. And, there, and there's three Batman, and there's three Spider-Man, and there's a movie from a AMC
0: show from a TV show made into a movie on Netflix, like what is going on? I, I don't want to report internet rumors here <laughs> on the show, but I read today, which I thought was interesting, that you know supposedly the next Doctor Strange yeah. is supposed to be a horror movie, a horror just comic hopping into movie new genres. Well, there's a rumor with that horror angle that it is going to go into the multiverse of the Raimi Spider Man, being a horror connection there which would just be ridiculous and insane and actually a kind of interesting way of using (laughs) this new thing. But yeah, I mean, I agree, though. This whole new thing is just... Very strange, right. very just unnecessary. Well,
1: that's the thing is I don't want to
0: stifle innovation, but yeah. this
1: doesn't seem like innovation. It exactly. seems like a cash grab. It mm-hmm. seems like it seems like people fighting at the door of a Best Buy on Black Friday. <laughs> that's what it seems like. This is not innovation. Yeah. There is no rule saying that you can't make the Raimi movies into the universe of Doctor Strange. But it's just a bad idea. It's just, just stupid. Yeah. And what it's going to really end up doing is just making the audience exhausted. Mm-hmm. We're already exhausted. Yeah. three spider-mans ago someone i was watching a preview for it in the theater and the, someone in front of me would turn to their friend and was like Who, what spider-man is this yeah. they didn't know three spider-mans ago yeah they didn't know what was going on yeah so that's the thing is we are movie people right people listening to this podcast are typically movie people right yeah. they're reading about it they follow it they're on blogs they're on this they're on that we're educated in this thing and i'm exhausted yeah can you imagine the average audience member that's the thing is if people are afraid about people staying in theaters and they don't want to lose that to the streaming services, make this simpler right? <laughs> because people are going to be like, if I can't, I can't keep up with this. No. Yeah. Even the big blockbusters, which are supposed to be easy. You can walk into a CVS and have, you know, buy, you know, like, uh, tampons with Spider-Man on it. And uh-huh. it's like, hey, this is supposed to be easy. That's yeah. one movie. It's huge. You go and everything's on now. It's, I can't keep up. Well, before I move on to my next puzzle piece was shaft any good. Of course. Yeah. It was excellent. Okay. Never
0: no, it, saw was, it. it was, it was the most,
1: <laughs> again, not totally unnecessary. It was Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. No, I mean, it was like, that's one of those things where you walk in with uh, almost no expectation and you don't care. And yeah. as long as it is ridiculous, then it's good. Yeah. So it's one of those.
0: All right. Well, uh, I, I don't want to just keep saying the same thing here, but I do have Ghostbusters on my list. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing
1: is, how many things could we say? Yeah. It
0: shouldn't have been made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go, go on, go on. But yeah, I mean, it's just silly ghost stuff. And I mean, I'm already starting to forget things that happened in this movie, but I think they were they were capturing souls in a canister Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, which is, uh, the, you know, the classic Ghostbusters thing, so, you know. They,
1: I didn't even put that together, actually. Yeah. They
0: actually <laughs> did catch him in a canister. Yeah.
1: And then sniff them. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, is like, oh my God, what are they thinking? Because the guy that wrote this wrote Haunting on Hill House, the
0: Netflix series. Yeah. yeah. Which was fine. I mean, there were some really good
1: moments in there.
0: People yeah. really love Mike Flanagan. They, they re- there's a lot of, like, fans that think that he is, like, one of the freshest voices in horror right now. That is surprising. Yeah, man. I was gonna
1: say my last puzzle piece would be like the Conjuring series. Okay, yeah, because I feel like they all all these movies feel the same. it's, yeah. like, a, it's like a period horror film. Mm-hmm. And here, and this is a maybe a broader comment, since we can't actually say anything uh, interesting about Doctor Sleep itself because we've already kind of beaten that horse to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest complaint is that everything looks alike sure. visually. Everything looks like a Netflix TV show. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a from like a, a cinematography standpoint. Uh, the camera moves, the the film grammar, um, the lens choices, the color grading, the quality, the actual resolution, and the in the in the output of that. Um, I, I mean, it all looks like a show, right? And like when I think when I when now I mean yeah I, I tried to I tried to push Doctor Sleep out of my brain, and but when now when I think back on it, I see images from The Conjuring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, it's be, and they just have this cinematic quality about it that's the same. I think part of the reason for that is those movies are so fucking successful. Yeah. People love them. They actually show up. People are going less and less to the theaters, but they show up for those movies, yeah. no matter how bad they are.
1: Yeah, and it's like an expanded universe of its own, isn't it? Isn't oh, It's the yeah. Annabelle series there. Oh, yeah, in there's that?
0: like seven movies now or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a, yeah then, but it's all other stories. And yeah. It all interconnects, Yeah, which is kind of interesting. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, again, I'm exhausted. And yeah. actually, to that point, they all answer questions from The Conjuring that weren't necessary to answer, which is exactly what this is. Well, that's the thing is, I
1: mean, we're in, we're in a a stage in the industry right now where if i mean this has always been the case but it's especially now which is that like if something works let's do it until it's dead exactly Yeah. and i think that poses a problem for writers mm-hmm. because you're, you want to stay true to the source material because you want to give the fans what they want which i guess i mean in some regard is not always a bad thing you know i mean it's okay i don't think you should make a movie based on fan service that mm-hmm. was the problem with endgame it was just like three hours of fan service sure too much so uh, in my opinion. It wasn't a bad film or anything, but it just wasn't great, either. I think Infinity War was infin- you know, way better. Sure. Infinitely better, to use a very there bad pun. Go. Why not? <laughs> uh, I almost just did it without thinking, yeah. so there you go. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so I, but these writers are backed into a corner, where I'm like, okay, we need we need a certain amount of fan service. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, where do we go with this story? If the movie was moderately good, then you don't have that much material to stretch into seven more movies. The Conjuring might have been a nice one-and-done. Right. You know what I
0: mean? It would have been, yeah, because it, it was a four. I, I'm really not a fan of like modernish horror movies, you know. Yeah. But no, that most, is one of the bad. best ones, though. yeah. And but then they just they've been spreading that that whole thing out just, just as far as they can until it's dead. Yeah, you know what
1: I mean? Like I was reading an article with uh, Robert De Niro recently, and he was talking about how you know his experience in Joker. I think it was for GQ. It was one of the few like real in depth interviews he's done ever. Mm. So I was curious. I was reading about it, and they're and they're talking about how there was rumors of a Taxi Driver too. Mm. and i was like what like how is that even like and he said oh yeah paul schrader and martin and marty and i we all talked about it and there was never just a story there's never an urgency or a story that we felt like we needed to tell and it's like how could there even be enough to make a meeting about it
0: yeah that's crazy you know what
1: i mean like what what is left in that story to tell, besides just revisiting it. Yeah. And I think that Paul Schrader went off and made First Reformed, which was his doing that. It was him exercising those same demons and seeing a modern take on it. But to have the character like Travis Bickle come back as an older man is preposterous (laughs) and it's and there's but the biggest thing it's not like I said I don't want to sound just like a mean-spirited movie you know one of the movie buffs that are insufferable like I I try so hard not to be though that person and Mm -hmm. I know many of them and uh that's why I love your show mainly because you have really good open-hearted people for the most part and with open minds Mm -hmm. and that's one of the best things about your show and I try I try to be those that type of person right and so this is not just like me shutting out things because I'm a you know an originalist or or a purist or it's just that like there's no story there. Right, right. There, if there was a story for Taxi Driver 2, make it. Yeah. But there's not. Yeah, there's just not a story.
0: Goodwill Hunting too. I was gonna... <laughs> <laughs> applesauce that's the Apple line applesauce applesauce bitch. Bitch. Right. No, 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 yeah. Apple bitch
1: that's it i <laughs> thought i got it i thought i got it wrong earlier and then i was like no it's applesauce i like i like when uh i like when gus van zant's counting the money yeah like, ben busy i'm busy some really funny stuff in there <laughs> yeah it's uh funny. but yeah i mean there's just no story and uh and it's just sad because it's like I mean, that's the thing is I knew, I mean, like I said, just to reiterate, I walked into Dr. Sleep knowing that it would never equal The Shining mm-hmm. and that, that I didn't even want it to. It's a totally separate beast. You know, I mean, how could it ever? I wanted to just judge it totally differently. And it just, there's just not enough story even for it to get by on its own.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I think it's, it's, I think it's a bad movie because it's a bad movie, not because it was a disgrace to the Kubrick film from earlier. Right. You know, if it was a great version, I think it and that's, you know, honestly, though, the other silver lining is it's going to get more people to maybe see The Shining. Maybe, yeah. Good. Maybe. Good.
0: <laughs> that would be good. Go see that. Yeah. And then the they... 4K release just came out. I know. Yeah. But the
1: thing is, is that Kubrick films are eternal. Yeah. You know, I told uh I have a, I told one of the assistant that works closely with the family. My ex, you know so we, we chat every now and again. And I told her that uh, the, you know, my experience is that a lot of youth was in the the viewing was to go see The Shining in the theaters, and a lot of the room was kids. Yeah. And that's the power of a Stanley Kubrick film. I mean, the, the, the people still. Talk about them. Yeah, still do. I mean, I was just in Italy. I, I made a movie in Rome, and it was a very exciting experience. And uh, the I was talking to one of the actors, and he was asking about what I'm really working on and what else is my my other projects. I mentioned the film with the Kubrick family and all that stuff, and he said, "Oh my god, Clockwork Orange changed my life." Mm-hmm. This is like some Italian guy, right? Yeah, you know I mean, it's just the the reach of of it is unparalleled.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, uh, I only got one more piece, so go we'll it. go for this and then close it out, but uh that is basically just the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um I, I felt like this was a marvelizing of uh of of the shining world yes. apparently. Uh but yeah, I mean everybody is just kind of quippy and clever and everybody is just like kind of cool and hip and they're just uh you know, they're like just so overly likable, <laughs> but, but not really, you know, I, yeah. I didn't like him, but I think that's what they're going for is like these likable, cool guys, yeah, the bad sure. guys and everybody, you know, and they, they all have perfect little retorts at each other and stuff like that. And, and I just thought that was just very strange, but it does seem to be something that's happening a lot now. Yeah. People are definitely too smart in movies. Yeah.
1: You know, and that's the thing is like, it's one of the things the Coen brothers do extremely well is they write idiots extremely well. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they write honest dialogue, even though it's very precise dialogue and and sometimes anachronistic and it's or it's very uh, specialized or heightened. It also almost always plays, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yeah, I think a big part of that is everyone's too cool for school. Yes, yeah, that thing is. I think Ewan McGregor's the only one that wasn't exactly. He yeah. actually like he's there's something actually interesting. Like I. I I I still stand by that Stephen King should have never written this book based on a what-if, and the movie should have never been made. But Mm -hmm. if you're going to proceed with it, there was an inkling of a good idea with following a troubled man after that experience. Yeah. You know, and especially with the alcoholic angle, which was a huge part of Stephen King's original process of writing The Shining. He was an alcoholic and was suffering from that thing. It was like a lot of, it was a lot of about his animosity towards his own children. Mm -hmm. I read an interview where he's talking about how like, the the animosity one feels for their own child was a scary thought. And he thought that could be that's the seed of a great book. And it was a great book. And then it's like with this other kind of flippant what if I'm yeah. like, what's Danny up to? I wonder what he's done. I wonder what he's doing. It's like <laughs> that's not a story. That's not a seed. Yeah. You know. But you had something there. Even even still there was something vaguely interesting there.
0: Absolutely. Well uh let's close this thing out. We'll do the finished puzzle and get in any uh closing thoughts. But okay. uh finished puzzle includes Son of the Mask, Goodwill <laughs> Hunting, Two Hunting Season, uh, It Chapter One and Two, Ready Player One, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, The Frighteners, Get Out, Us, Matrix, <clears throat> The Matrix Reloaded, The Twilight Series, uh, The Halloween Recent Sequels, uh, Shaft, The 2019 Remake <laughs> Sequel Ish Thing, uh, The Conjuring Universe, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Chris, you got any? Closing thoughts about this one. Um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's forget this I, as soon as possible. Yeah,
1: I just want to, my my final word is that um if you are a big Kubrick fan, uh, it's okay to like things that are inspired by him or even rip him off a little bit. You uh, try to try to open your. Hard a little bit to those things. A lot of Kubrick people tend to be very, like, very specific and very protective of that stuff. And Let's be I, honest
0: here. A lot of film snobs. Yeah, film snobs, yeah. yeah
1: so. And the thing is, I've never even tried to be very precious of it. And yeah. I think I've been so fortunate... To be even vaguely associated with the man in the most in the smallest way possible, yeah. And I try not to be too precious about it. Mm. I mean, he was just a filmmaker, and like you have movies like Room Two Three Seven, which is a travesty that I think every continuity error was a masterstroke of something he thought about se- seven years before, which is ludicrous. Right. Yeah, you know? but that's the power that he had: is that he was such a visionary filmmaker that you could have people literally go crazy watching his movies and think a continuity error is a masterstroke. So there you go. Yeah. But you no, know, but yeah, just don't be too precious about it. You know, if you do like this movie, you're not an idiot. That's perfectly fine. Maybe you have no association to Kubrick at all. And so you just went in like totally clean slate and that's fine. That's good. But my biggest thing is like, don't hate something because of the Kubrick reference or don't love it because of the Kubrick reference. Try to be objective. If we were all better objective viewers, we'd maybe get better material. Mm. We'd, we'd get better movies. We need to hold these people to higher standards. We need to demand more from our, from these studios. And uh, we can't just watch anything that comes down the pike. Yeah. So that's for me. It's always a reminder of like be critical of things, and, but
0: also be open. Don't huh? be, don't be an asshole. For you movie buffs out there, there you go. I, I have two last thoughts I wanted to bring up real quick. Uh, first of all, I do want to applaud Mike Flanagan on showing a little bit of restraint and not having frozen Jack still sitting out there. I a hundred percent thought that was going to happen. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Once I, mean, I
1: saw Dick Halloran ghost. I was like, yeah. all bets are off.
0: Yeah. I totally thought it was going to happen. And then also again, uh, you know, obviously this isn't the intention of liking this movie or disliking this movie, but the two of us did get a really great laugh out of, Fuck you just say. <laughs> <laughs> so, if nothing else, this movie gets a little bit of credit for that might mu- You put it perfectly. In the script, it yeah. had, like,
1: apostrophe. Apostrophe. Apostrophe fuck. <laughs> fuck you just say? She said that to, to Crow Daddy. Yeah, she said it to Crow Daddy. Had she, balls was, on she was her. pissed.
0: Yeah. 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 Rose
1: the Hat has yeah. like some some balls on her rose the hat oh my god i just yeah i mean <laughs> it's shocking it's shocking how silly the movie was so silly so without without ever being intentional that's the guy that's the key
0: right there yeah
1: and yeah. no it was had no idea how stupid it was yeah i guess i'll let me, let me end on one other anecdote oh, may yeah. i sure so stanley stanley kubrick would uh would call stephen king up uh, and not know what, he didn't know what time difference it was. It would be like the middle of the night in America. And he, Stephen King would be like sobering up or something. And I, he'd be like, oh. And Stanley would say things like, um, you know, is is this movie or is any ghost story uh, at its core optimistic? And, he, and Stephen King said, w- w- what do you mean? And he said, well, it's saying there's something after death. Isn't that intrinsically optimistic? Mm-hmm. And Stephen King thought, uh, well, what about hell? And there was a long pause and Stanley said, I don't believe in hell. And then hung up. (laughs) And I think that that is why we have the movie we have of The Shining. Uh Uh-huh. So there you go.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, Chris, uh, do you have another movie you saw recently that maybe you liked a little bit more than this one that you'd like to recommend? The Lighthouse. Ah. And that's actually an interesting movie
1: to talk about super briefly because I know we're wrapping up. But there is a movie that has virtually no story. Mm Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with story. It's an atmospheric... It's like an old... It's like a campfire story brought to life visually. <laughs> sure. And that's, again, brings back to my point, no rhyme or reason, no no magical way to tell a story. You don't have to have a great script. You don't have to have the you know a, a very wordy, dialogue-driven movie. You don't even have to have a good story. You can have a setup. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing I about, like about The Lighthouse is that it's very... It's very cinematic in its bones. Sure. And I think it proves that even more because it's such a lark from a story standpoint. Mm -hmm. But it works from an atmosphere standpoint so well. And the craft of it is also exceptional and the performances. So I'd say go, and that's probably one of the... And that's the thing, that's a black comedy. That's another horror movie that walks the fine line of comedy and horror so masterfully.
0: So definitely, definitely check out The Lighthouse. Right on. And and I did use The Shining as a puzzle piece on that episode. That's a boy. I'm proud of you. You
1: know why? Here's one last thing for you. Everything's the shining, there you go, <laughs> and if you don't think I'm right, watch the
0: shining and then watch everything else, yeah, and guess what? it's the shining. I'm gonna have him on next time for something that's just not the shining at all, but you know what? it probably will you be. can bring me in for isn't it romantic,
1: <laughs> and I will find a way that Stanley Kubrick directly inspired them, yeah thats the thing is he that's, and you know what again, sorry, I keep saying the last thing, but it's just he eked into all of our minds, mm. Mm-hmm. He made such cerebral great films that even if we're not directly related or directly influenced, uh he's in there. Sure. So well, he especially he's, filmmakers. Yeah, he's in the language of movies. Yeah. And and commercials and everything. He's everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. Fuck you to say. Fuck you to say. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, I'm Mike. I'm Johnny. I'm Kev. And together we present There Will Be Geek, a compendium and magazine of all the nonsense you can possibly eat about pop culture. There's
0: like a bomb ducked to a toilet, and on the toilet paper it says, boom, you're dead. How do you not like that? Two podcasts a month.
1: Just going back to the rib removal to blow yourself thing, it always concerns celebrities who would in no way ever need to give themselves a blowjob. If Clint Howard removed a rib to blow himself, I, I can understand f- that because <laughs> who <was> the f- <laughs> would? So come along. You can find us on iTunes, Libsyn, SoundCloud, Facebook, www.therewillbegeek.com. Have a listen. geek.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Dr. Sleep. Uh, It's pretty great when we're able to get a uh, episode done. When it comes out in theaters, that doesn't always happen because you know we got to uh, make sure I've got a guest who's seen the movie. I got to make sure I see the movie, and I don't always get in the press screenings or anything like that. Uh, I'm not an official member of the press or anything, but uh, we'll get there eventually. But you uh, know, it's great when we're able to do this, and I hope you're seeing this movie opening weekends. Go to the theaters, even though we didn't really love this movie. You might like it. A lot of people seem to love it. Maybe we're just assholes. I don't know. (laughs) But I really, uh, I, I just, I can't stop laughing about some of the stuff that happens in this movie. And like I said, I wasn't scared for a second. And I really do look down at my popcorn sometimes during horror movies. Even horror movie trailers, they just scare me too much. And I can't handle them. So the fact that this didn't scare me, I really don't understand how it scared anyone else. But maybe you'll like it. I don't know. So uh, I want to remind you all to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together on your podcast app of choice. You can also uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be amazing. You could also sign up for our Patreon, where for as low as $3 a month, you get access to special bonus content. And what kind of content? Well, right now there's an episode on Jane's Silent Bob Reboot, and that's basically about it. But... We're about to record a whole bunch of extra episodes, and there's no way they're going to all go up right at the same time. I mean, there would just be no way to properly promote each episode, so they're all going to be up early in advance in the Patreon page, and... Uh, you'll have access to them if you sign up. And then there's other things, too. You can get some of my music and uh, a bunch of other stuff as other levels of the Patreon. So go check that out, patreon.com slash piecingpod. Of course, follow us on social media at piecingpod. And uh, all the other piecingpod stuff. Tea public, buy one of our shirts. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff out there. Just search for piecingpod. We're out there. Uh, so let's leave you with a piece of music, as I always do, at the end of every episode of Piecing It Together. Um trying to think of a good one to play for you guys uh i think i'm going to play i think i've played this before on the show but i think it, it fits with uh the creepiness and scariness that supposedly this movie has uh this is a track called scarecrow off a free album i released a few years back called like ashes so enjoy this track and we will be back with more piecing it together next week